0: Welcome in to another edition of the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. I'm your host, D.P. Sulu. It's week 16. Can you believe it? We are nearing the end of the 2020 regular season, and it has gone by so ever so slowly. Uh, Just kidding. No, I'm I'm really happy that uh, the NFL season has gone off with pretty much without a hitch. I mean, the Texans' schedule stayed intact for the most part, uh, despite COVID and despite all the adversity that the team has gone through. But you know what? I would be lying if I said I wasn't looking forward to just getting to the off season, so that I can see and we can all see what's going to happen in 2021. But in the meantime, we've got two games left. They're both home games and a great podcast. It doesn't disappoint because we've got the Bengals coming into town. I catch up with my good friend Marissa Contapelli, Bengals beat reporter. We thought this was, well... Did you think this was going to be an easy game? You thought you, you you might have. You might have until you saw that Monday night game against the Steelers uh, where the Bengals were two touchdown underdogs and they dominated. That defense looked so good against the Steelers. The Steelers have their own uh, worries and troubles these days, but that Bengals team came to play. They had a rookie, uh, well, a second-year quarterback, but, you know, his first start this year. He was 0-3 last year. Ryan Finley, likely he'll be starting on Sunday against the Texans uh, because of the way that he played on Monday night. So it's the Bengals coming into town. But on the the deep slant portion of this interview where I sit down and do my player one-on-one, I had a chance to catch up with Chad Hansen, the wide receiver that's been making plays in the last three weeks. He's finally on the 53-man active roster, scored his first touchdown last week at Indianapolis. It was a loss, but he's definitely definitely been a bright spot for this team and when you hear his story and everything that he went through to get to this point you will be impressed because uh, I do ask him what his journey was like before last year last year is when he signed with the Texans practice squad and he rattles off every single place he's ever been where he's been cut when he was brought back and it's it's really astounding that he went through all that stuck it out and just still persevered worked his butt off this off season with Deshaun Watson worked on his chemistry knew that it was important to get those reps that he's not going to get when he's on scout team or on the practice squad and and he made himself better and we all saw it in training camp and then he had to wait for his opportunity because he was still on the practice squad and You know, it didn't come until much later in the season, but here he is, Chad Hansen. It's going to be very hard to take him off the field when he's on the field, which is why the Texans put him on the active roster uh, heading into Sunday's game. Romeo Cornell says that, you know, he's playing with a confidence and a – and a level that of dependability that you just can't, you, you can't put the guy back on the practice squad after that. You have to put him on the active roster. So looking forward to seeing what he does for these last two games and, and really happy for his journey so far this season. I like, you know, in, in a season like this, it's kind of nice to at least shine a light on some of the bright spots and some of the players that have persevered because, While it's unfortunate that the Texans have had a losing season, they fired their head coach and general manager earlier this year, there have been some players that have really um, stood out and and, and they're putting some really great film out there, um, either for the Texans next year, for the new staff, or for another team in the future. But, you know, it's something that, I, I think we should appreciate, and I like to, to sit down and chat with these players and talk about their journeys because I think it's really inspiring. It's really inspirational, everything they, they've gone through to get to this point. So, that is my very long introduction to the Chad Hansen interview. But first, score with internet that's more than just fast. Xfinity, proud partner of the Houston Texans and proud partner of the Deep Slant podcast because Xfinity gives you the speed, coverage, control, and security you need for the ultimate in home Wi Fi experience. So, let's get into it. Let's Let's, let's sit down with Chad Hanson. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy this interview. He really, you know, he's just a, a really humble guy, and he's been through a lot, and he's really enjoying the success he's had so far, and he's not the only one. His teammates were super excited to see him score that touchdown, and that's pretty much where the the interview started. So take a listen. Chad Hansen on the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. Chad, I guess I have to start with the touchdown catch first of all. Your first career NFL touchdown and I heard that on the sideline when you scored, there was pandemonium, like teammates <laughs> running down the sideline, wanting to congratulate you, both offensive, defensive players. Uh, how cool was that moment for you and getting to celebrate it with your teammates like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it was my fourth year in the league and my first NFL touchdown, so they knew how much it meant to me. And, you know, it was just it was just awesome being able to celebrate with everybody on the sideline, going, you know, you know, you're just so you're out of breath because you're, you've you been celebrating on the field with your teammates. You come off and, and everybody mobs you. It's the best feeling in the world. It was awesome.
0: Deshaun said he was so excited for you as well. He said that he was just worried that you might run out of bounds first before yeah. you actually scored. So what was going through your head the whole time? I mean, that's a big moment for an NFL receiver. You had to wait a long time to get there. So was there nerves? What, what was going on in your mind?
1: Well, I mean, I, I think I'd played enough football over the first um, you know, three games to, you know, there's no nerves. I knew what I was supposed to do, um, but, but they called that play. And I knew um, with the coverage that the Colts run, um, I saw the backside and the corner and the safety Roma with Brandon. And I knew I was going to be wide open, you know, because I was just filling that void. Um, but I was running across looking at Deshaun and he wasn't looking at me. He was looking at Brandon and I was kind of worried. I was like, I've been running for kind of a while, kind of a while. So, um, yeah, he, he led me inside with the ball because I think I probably would have run out of bounds, <laughs> but, uh, he led me back inside. I caught it and, uh, jogged in the end zone. It was, it was one of the coolest feelings ever. Yeah. All
0: right. So where's the uh, ball now? I imagine you're going to keep it forever and mm-hmm. ever, but.
1: Well, I mean, depending on when this airs, uh, my girlfriend's birthday is today. So I kind of, I wrapped it up in a box and she's going to open it. So she's been with me through the full, for, through the full four years moving around and, um, you know, throwing me tennis balls and being my trainer and all that stuff. So we we actually gave
0: your girlfriend a shout out on our (laughs) pregame show because, uh, our producer Tyler saw that on TikTok uh, she didn't get a shout out for being the one to drive you to all those off season practices with Deshaun. (laughs) So we felt like we had to give her some credit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She wanted, (laughs) that's funny. I know the video you're talking about. Yeah. She wanted that shout out. I didn't give it to her. (laughs) She was kind of upset.
0: I think we're two now for her. So hopefully that makes up for it a little bit. So let's talk about that off season, because I think that's probably one of the most talked about things. Every time we talk about you and, and how good you looked in training camp, it kind of went back to the off season about how you followed Deshaun around different States. You worked out with him. What was that like? Because do you ask Deshaun, like, Hey, where are you going to be? And you you sync up with him. How was that plan made? And then how did you decide that you're going to go with him to different locations and and, and throw throw the ball with them
1: well i mean last year i was on the practice squad all year so i didn't really have that good of a relationship with him um and i knew going into the next season that if i wanted to be you know playing i needed to have a a good relationship with deshaun you know because he's a starting quarterback and you need you know the receiver quarterback trust is the biggest thing that you could have so um i knew that was a big thing um so I would, I would hit him up, you know, Hey, what are you thinking about? You know, when are you throwing or, you know, what you're doing? And, and, you know, he'd text me back where he was, what he's going to be doing throwing. So, um, you know, I just always made myself available and, and would fly, you know, here cause I would, I trained in the off season in, in Southern California. Um, but I would fly back here and throw with them, went to Arizona with them. So, um, you know, just those reps, uh, before training camp were, were huge for me. Um, You know, and I obviously I hadn't had many reps with him the the previous season. So getting on the same page, the timing and all that helped going into the season.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you you mentioned being on the practice squad. So obviously you're not catching passes from from Deshaun. And during those practices, you're on scout team or you're working with second, third team uh, quarterbacks. But what's what are sort of the things that you felt like you got better at, you mentioned timing and chemistry, but what's that conversation like with Deshaun when you're out there practicing, like what he wants to see from you and, and what you need to give him to sort of get on the same page, like the way you guys are now.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's always, there's always a route drawn on the paper, you know, a certain depth, you know, a certain way to run it, but. You know, football is always changing and it's, you know, reacting to how the defense plays and, and that's really the biggest thing. And I think that that's, that's why him and Hop, him and Hop had such a good connection. They always knew where each other was going to be, and and I wanted that with with me and Deshaun, and and being able to talk to him, and um, you know, seeing seeing what he saw uh, on different coverages, and and you know, just we talk about seeing the play through one set of eyes, and you know, being being the quarterback's eyes, and being able to, you know, be in the right spot at the right time.
0: I feel like I've heard the word confidence a lot with you this. The season Tim mm-hmm. Kelly has mentioned it Deshaun's mentioned it that you're just playing with a lot of confidence and I imagine that's got to be because you got those extra reps but what is that like during the first part of the season when you've had so much work with him this off season and in training camp and then the first part of the season most of the first part of the season you're on the practice squad and now mm-hmm. you're actually on the active roster so do you do you fall back a little bit or is it sort of like riding a bike that once you're back out there catching passes from him it's you you kind of pick up where you left off what is that whole process like for you
1: yeah um you know the 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 confidence definitely takes a blow when you when you're cut at the end at the beginning of the season and the training camp um you know and and being on the practice squad not getting as many reps uh in practice with the with the first team and um yeah but I I knew that once I got my opportunity um I'll be ready because I knew I could play at this level I knew I could play against anybody so um, when I did get that shot against Indy, I wasn't nervous because, you know, I, mean, I think partly because, you know, Deshaun is so, you know, calm in the huddle. It kind of kind of puts everybody at ease a little bit. So I know that I can go out and make plays and, and him throwing, the, throwing me the ball um, shows me that, that he trusts me. And so, you know, I just make the plays that come to me. That's all I can do. So, you know, I, I think that confidence snapped right back once I stepped on the field for the first time.
0: I think a lot of people don't know your journey into the NFL. Obviously, you've been with the Texans for the last two seasons. So you were on Mm -hmm. the practice squad in 2019 and practice squad until you were on the active roster this year. But walk us through, if you can, you know, what it's been like for you getting into the NFL and how many different teams you've been through for those first two or three seasons that you were in the league.
1: Yeah, I mean, it has been a long journey. But uh, So I was drafted to the Jets in 2017, um, played there for a year. Uh, Actually, with Josh McCown. Uh, Josh McCown was my quarterback there. It's kind of funny. but um, So I was released my second year after training camp there. Uh, Claimed the first week to the Patriots. Was there with the Patriots for two weeks uh, on the active roster. Was released there. um, Picked up by the Tennessee Titans uh, probably a couple weeks later. Um, Was with Tennessee for a month. Released there um and then picked up by Denver's practice squad probably around week eight of 2018, finished out the season there um, went through all of OTAs uh, with Denver, was released there in 2019 the spring of 2019 was picked up uh, onto the roster like you know the offseason roster by the by the saints came in for training camp there, first day going through, medicals and physicals and stuff they brought me in the office released me so I was fortunately picked up here I think two or three days later so it was the fourth day of camp here picked up here uh, last 2019 training camp and then I've been here ever since
0: it really is a case of perseverance (laughs) I mean you cannot be an impatient person to go through this process and what you've been mm-hmm. through. I, w- I was looking at your college career. It seems like it, it sort of mirrored that a little bit. Like you just have this perseverance in you, right? Because you grew up in California and you wanted to go to school in California, but even that was a little bit of a winding road, wasn't it? You started off at Idaho state and then and then t- tell me about that and how you ended up back in California again.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I kind of matured late. So uh, I was, I was kind of behind the curve in high school a little bit. Um, I didn't really have a, a great high school career until my senior year. So I had a good senior year in high school. Um, one of the better conferences in Cal- high school conferences in California. Um, my only offer was to Idaho State and that was late in the recruiting process. I think pretty, pretty close to signing day. So I didn't really know what I was gonna do. Uh, I got that, I got a full ride there. So I, I decided that that was probably best. You know, that, that was a school that wanted me. I went there started my freshman year had had a good year I I think 500 yards but I knew that I wouldn't be happy there if I knew or or not trying at least to play at a higher level because I thought you know playing against some of the kids in high school that went to the highest level you know I thought that I would be able to play there so that spring after my freshman year at Idaho State I decided to start putting out emails to you know transfer and so uh, went through that whole process. That was kind of kind of a terrible process, honestly. It kind of sucks, but thankfully I found a home in Cal, uh, walked on at Cal, had the red shirt, and then uh, played a little bit my second year behind some of the receivers that we had uh, with Jared Goff, and then my red shirt junior year is when I was able to have a breakout season and play uh, with Davis Webb. So that was, it was kind of a crazy journey there. Uh, like you were saying, a little bit of perseverance and Um, not giving up, but you know, it's, it's definitely worthwhile. So.
0: Well, here you are on the active roster. And I think that Romeo Cornell has been asked about it the last few weeks, especially after your first game against Indy um, about putting you on the 53 man roster, because the way things are right now through COVID, you get placed on the active roster for game day, then you revert back to the practice squad. So you have this fantastic game against the Colts here at NRG stadium. And then you go back to the practice squad and then you're brought up again against the bears and you go back down to practice squad. Well, Now you're actually on the active roster because, you know, you've shown that consistency. So what is that like for you? I I can't imagine being in the league for four years and waiting this long to have that opportunity, but does it feel any different? I mean, the only thing I can compare it to is like when I had an internship and I finally got a full-time job at a company and it felt like, I felt like when I walked in the door, things were just a little bit different even though it really wasn't. But Hmm. can you describe what the feeling's like for you now just being on the active roster?
1: I think, I mean, I think that's probably a good analogy, internship to a, to a full job offer, but yeah, I I'd say, I'd say it's a little bit different as in, you know, you have that trust, you have a little bit of a, uh, you know, you kind of know that you're going to be here for a little bit instead of, you know, being on the practice squad. It's kind of like a week to week thing, but yeah, signing to the active roster is a big thing for me because I haven't, I haven't signed to an active roster since my first year, you know, three years ago. So uh, that was a cool moment for me and my family and, you know, just just the culmination of, of a lot of hard work and, and perseverance and, you know, just staying with it.
0: Well, we've been really excited to watch your journey from practice squad to active roster to your first active game to your first touchdown. So uh, there's a little bit of season left. What how do you hope to build on what you've started so far and, and, and get even better now for the future?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I just, I just want to continue to have that trust from the coaching staff, from the front office, from, you know, anything that happens in the off season, you know, it's kind of up in the air right now. Nobody really knows what's going on. So I just want to put good stuff on film, you know, so I can go out there and I'm not just a flash in the pan, you know, three weeks, good games and that's it. You know, I want to show that I can be consistent and continue to do what I've shown that I can do and that I know I can do so that I have that consistency that, that this, this league really is looking for.
0: All right. We can't wait to see it. Thank you so much for the time. A pleasure speaking with you, Chad Hansen on the deep slant presented by Xfinity. Thanks so much, Chad.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. All
0: right. Chad Hansen on the deep slant podcast. When waiting to catch up with him, wanted to talk to him in training camp he was having such a good training camp and then you know as the season went on just uh, didn't get a chance to talk to him he was on the practice squad but here he is on the active roster and uh, you know doing some uh, some great things and hopefully that wasn't the first what that wasn't the only touchdown of 2020 hopefully he gets to the end zone many many more times because Deshaun Watson is nearing a passing touchdown record and I'm not going to jinx it by saying what it is or how many more touchdowns he needs okay well he needs three more touchdowns and then he's got the all-time Texans passing touchdown passing record he needs to reach. 30. So, anyway, just keep that in the back of your head. File that away. He's got two games left to do it. Cincinnati and the Titans at home. And uh, let's get right into the Cincinnati game because that's up first. The Texans are hosting the Bengals on Sunday. And we caught up with Marissa Contepelli. She's a team reporter for the Bengals. And chatted to her, with her about all the injuries that the Bengals have gone through this year and about that big win on Monday night against the Steelers. Coming off the big Monday night win, which we all watch, Merce. I'm sure spirits are high in Cincinnati despite having such a crazy, unexpected season and disappointing probably to say the least, but you know, what has that done for sort of the mood of the team just heading into these final two weeks?
2: Yeah, well, DP, thank you so much for uh, having me on with you today. I mean, you wouldn't think that this team was only a two-win team going into Monday night the way that they played, and I mean talking to players afterwards they were very blunt about it saying they needed that type of win they needed to show that they could not only keep up with you know the division leaders in the AFC but that you know they can go out and win a primetime game because you know the track record had not been on their side when it comes to you know playing in the national spotlight so getting a win like that and going out and playing the way they did with the the defense stepping up when they absolutely needed to and honestly I think that's the best all-around defensive game that they've had this entire season and so spirits are high uh it was a great mood you know talking to players after the game monday night and you know going into the rest of the week just kind of absolutely the momentum that they want to take is you know there's two games left in the season
0: yeah and you mentioned the defense they i will get to the defense in a minute but the the quarterback situation how crazy has that been for cincinnati because when the schedule came out we were sort of penciling in joe burrow as an exciting qb to watch and we all know what happened with him he went on ir but it's been It's been Brandon Allen. And then in Monday night's game, Ryan Finley at quarterback didn't put up great numbers, but still came out with a big win, had a rushing TD. What do those three quarterbacks do differently? Because between Allen and Finley now for the final stretch of the season, are they very similar? Does it change the offense a lot with those two in the game?
2: Right? Well, obviously, I mean, starting off with Joe Burrow, we all know what Joe Burrow can do. He does pretty much everything pretty excellent and you know was really making strides during his rookie season so it was absolutely devastating to see him go out with the injury Um, but then when you look at at Ryan Finley I mean this is a guy that had three starts his rookie season last year but Monday night really he I think he looked as comfortable as he's ever been you know playing in an NFL game the stats aren't going to quite speak to I think just the way he kind of had command of the offense and, and you know really just kind of you know kind of took on that little bit of a leadership role when, you know, you have a guy like Tyler Boyd who's going out with an injury and, and AJ Green only had two catches in that game. And so, you know, you know, a lot was put on Ryan Finley's shoulders and, you know, he did what he had to do. They got the run game going um, and he just kind of had that, that comfort and command of the offense. And you mentioned he had the rushing touchdown, you know, being able to use his legs um, and athleticism a little bit more, uh, I think is kind of what separates him a little bit from Brandon Allen. When you look at Brandon Allen, the coaches really liked what they saw with, his two two games earlier before he kind of had that knee injury last week. Um, but with Allen, I'd say he's, you know, he's a little bit more of an accurate passer and, has a little bit more familiarity with the type of offensive system that Zach Taylor operates. So I, it's, it's really interesting between the two because there's not like a huge drop off, I'd say between Ryan Finley and Brandon Allen, it's kind of like which quarterback are you going to get on, on any given Sunday? It's, if you get the Ryan Finley that played Monday night compared to the Ryan Finley that we saw in 2019's at t- 2019 at times, Completely different guy. He looked so comfortable, and you really hope that you know he takes that that confidence and you know only continues to excel and get better. Um, But you know, I think the Bengals would be comfortable going with either quarterback on Sunday. Um, You know, we'll just have to see what Zach Taylor decides. All
0: right. Well, I would imagine that it's got to be tough on the wide receivers. We've seen AJ Green for a number of years. I cannot believe he's still playing at the level that he's playing at, but. You know, what sort of challenges has it presented to the wide receivers going through all these quarterback changes throughout this year? I imagine a guy like A.J. Green, he's been through a share of quarterback changes. But, but what's it been like for that group? Have you seen someone just sort of step up and emerge through a forest through the trees, would you say, with, with the wide receiver group?
2: Yeah, you know, it's funny you bring that up. I talked to AJ about that last week when he had the really good game with Brandon Allen and they connected a handful of times and AJ got into the end zone. I um, he said, you know, it's just, it's, it's part of how life in the NFL goes and he's a seasoned vet. It, it didn't even phase him. But you look at a guy, a rookie like T. Higgins, who's having a phenomenal rookie season. I don't think anyone expected him to kind of jump in to this offense the way that he has early on. Um, you know, he really hasn't skipped a beat. Um, you know, obviously with uh, Finley coming in Monday night, uh, they relied on the ground game a little bit more than passing so you know Higgins stat line didn't really scream much but the fact that he was still you know being a reliable and a consistent target for Brandon Allen when he came in after Joe Burrow and even a guy like Tyler Boyd I mean he's a a veteran for this offense too he just gives so much he's so dangerous in the slot you're hoping and relying on him to be another one of those guys that you can kind of call upon and go to in key third fourth down situations you know it's kind of you know the running joke around here anytime need a big conversion you're going to go look towards Tyler Boyd because he's going to come up he's going to step in to those big moments and so it's it's really looking at Higgins and Boyd you know coming into their own no matter who the quarterback is under center for the Bengals and you know with A.J. Green you know what you're going to get with A.J. Green so it's, it's really about Boyd and Higgins moving forward.
0: Well, I'm glad you brought up Higgins because he's actually our next gen stat presented by AWS among rookies. He has the fourth most receiving touchdowns. He has five for the season. So I know it's been such a crazy year for rookies in a pandemic and uh, the shortened abbreviated offseason. But what is it about Higgins that has made him such a target for, for touchdowns this year? And, and what do you attribute his success to?
2: Right. Well, I've talked to our wide receiver coach, you know, a handful of times about T Higgins, and he just praises his his natural, not only his athleticism, but kind of his his knack for just going and getting the ball, just making a play. I mean, he, he showed up on the big stage at Clemson when he needed to, and, you know, really hasn't skipped a beat since coming into the NFL. And the thing I've always loved about T from like the moment um I got to meet him over Zoom virtually was that, you know, he just has that confidence about him um, that you don't always get when you have you know, a a rookie coming in trying to, to prove their own and earn a spot because he had so many veterans kind of ahead of him, even though he was a second round draft pick this year. And so, you know, you know, T's just really, um, really, really coming into his own and each week you can see how much more comfortable he's getting with the offense. And, um, you know, him and Joe Burrow spent a lot of time over the summer, just, uh, you know, phone calls, texting, getting to know one another and making sure they were comfortable with one another, even though they weren't able to be in person throwing routes and, and, you know, just getting used to one another and kind of, you know, what they're personalities and knacks are on the field um, you know it's just a great sign that you know T seems to be going above and beyond and his play is speaking for itself he's also really close to breaking two of the Bengals rookie receiving records most receptions in a season and becoming um, just the third Bengals rookie to hit over a thousand yards and AJ Green and Chris Collinsworth are the only other two guys in that category.
0: Oh, impressive. All right, let's talk about the, the Bengals' run game because no Joe Mixon, but Giovanni Bernard stepped up nicely in that win over the Steelers on Monday night. It does seem like the Bengals have a short list of backs that they turn to to get the run game going, but have any of those those guys really separated themselves, and how are they different? What do you foresee for Sunday's matchup against the Texans?
2: Yeah, I would expect a lot of Giovanni Bernard and Samaje Ryan. They really like to use Ryan when it's kind of a third-and-one third and two situations where it's just getting those tough couple of yards. Uh, But Giovanni Bernard's really the feature back when Joe Mixon's uh, not in the game. I mean, Gio is, is so, um, he's so lethal when it comes to the uh, pass game too. I mean, he has the most receptions of any Bengals running back in team history. And so he's always been, you know, really um, efficient in it when it comes to uh, his pass catching abilities and kind of making plays and helping out the quarterback uh, when he needs to. And so he's a very different type of runner than Joe Mixon is. With Mixon, you're going to see a little bit more flash and finesse at times. And Gio, you know, he's going to put his head down and, you know, get those tough yards. So the Bengals, the fact that they relied on the run game so much Monday night is is a great sign moving forward because we hadn't really seen a whole lot of that, especially early on in the season with Joe Burrow. I mean, it was pass after pass after pass, but if they can get settled into the run game a little bit more get that more comfortability for the quarterback, whether it's uh, Ryan Finley or Brandon Allen, um, who's going to be going on Sunday, you know, it's just going to absolutely just help this offense, try to, you know, get going a little bit more.
0: All right. That uh, so when you, when you mentioned P Ryan, I can't stop, I can't help myself, but to think about the NFL combine when he put up a crazy number of reps at bench press, I want to say it was like 30, but it was a crazy number for running back. I just remember standing there and just like, I don't know who's going to get this guy, but he is, crazy strong all right let's talk about that Bengals defense because they took on dj reader this offseason big loss for the texans front he goes out with a season-ending injury but carl lawson um, on the d-line has definitely stepped up what's made him so effective on that d-line especially as a pass rusher he's put up some pretty impressive stats this year
2: Yeah. Well, if you ask anyone who's watched Carl Lawson over the last couple of years, it's really not a surprise. The biggest thing that Lawson was facing was he's kind of injury plagued over the last two years, uh, had a torn ACL in 2018 and then kind of a recurring hamstring last year that he's missed time with. So the fact that he's been out there week after week for the Spangles defense has been such a lift. He's so good at just beating his one-on-one matchups, you know, getting around the edge. And even when he's not getting credited, if he's not getting the sack or, or the uh, quarterback hit, he's still generating pressures and creating other opportunities for some of his teammates like Sam Hubbard to come in uh, or Mike Daniels or Christian Covington. So Carl Lawson is just, you know, he's just been absolutely phenomenal for the Bengals defensive front this year. But, you know, a big thing that really helped them, especially on Monday night, is that the secondary coverage was so strong for this Bengals defense. You know, it was really great to see guys like William Jackson and Darius Phillips kind of, you know, stepping up when they need to, because they've shown flashes at times. That's the biggest thing about the Bengals defense is that they've been kind of inconsistent. Like you'll see really strong coverage um, or, you know, a really strong pass rush, but they kind of haven't been able to put it all together for one complete game. So they were finally able to do that on Monday. And, you know, the results spoke for itself, you know, holding Pittsburgh um, to that first half uh, offense uh, like they did, you know, holding them scoreless there. Um, And so when you have guys that, you know, even, you know, I, haven't even mentioned Jesse Bates and Von Bell who are just playing out of their minds um, in the safety positions. I mean, Jesse Bates cannot believe he was not a pro bowler this year, just having, you know, his best season and just his third year in the league. So, when the Bengals defense can kind of put everything together the way they did on Monday and, you know, obviously looking to carry over that momentum against Houston, um, but it's obviously going to be a tough task when you have a much different quarterback like you have in Deshaun Watson, who can use his feet a little bit more. Uh, you just hope that the secondary can kind of hold its own and and hold that coverage to allow the Bengals' pass rush to kind of get in there.
0: Well, much like Deshaun Watson, whose rookie year ended in a season of knee injury the same happened for Joe Burrow. We saw a lot of athletes from around the league post up on social media and wishing him the best. But what can you tell us about Joe Burrow's road to recovery? I mean, have you heard much about him since the knee, since the knee injury and the surgery? And, and what can you expect? I imagine these two teams, they face each other pretty much every year. So there will come a time very quickly when we do face a, a Bengals-led team with Joe Burrow under center. But what, what can you tell us about his rehab and recovery so far?
2: Yeah. Well, so far, so good. Um, You know, we haven't really gotten a chance to speak with Joe too much since his surgery happened. Um, You know, he's not in the Cincinnati area recovering. He's out on the West coast, Um, you know, just getting that relaxation rehab in as he's, you know, you know, try to make as best of a recover as he can, hopefully ready for the start of training camp. Um, but so far so good. And, you know, he was even tweeting during the game uh, Monday night that, you know, it's a lot more fun to be playing than actually watching. So he absolutely wants to be out there with his teammates. And he was just gutted when uh, the injury occurred. But, you know, his spirits have remained high. He's still been so involved in all the Bengals virtual meetings. He's in every quarterback meeting in most of the offensive meetings. And so, you know, Jer- Joe Burrow is just, he- he's, the kind of guy you want to have around in the locker room, whether he's playing or not playing. And so, you know, I fully expect him to do everything in his power to make sure his body is right, his, his knee is healed, and that he's ready to go when he can be.
0: That's the beauty of virtual meetings this year. I really feel like in the future when players are injured and they can't make it to the facilities, that they'd still be able to join via zoom. I think it's just fantastic. And I hope it's something that, you know, we carry forward even after this pandemic is over and we're back having normal games with fans and, and both of us at the game. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, looking forward to it. I know it's a crazy week, short week, a holiday week and a road game, but thank you so much for the time Marissa Contepelli. Team reporter for the Bengals, thank you so much for joining us on Enemy Sidelines this week. Of course, thank you for having me on. All right, looking forward to the matchup. That's Sunday, 12 noon, Central Time. It is actually on Fox, so do not worry if you don't have CBS. It's on Fox. It's been moved. Uh, You can also listen to the game on Sports Radio 610 or the Houston Texans mobile app in certain locations. But be sure to check out Texans Unlimited Presented by Verizon, Drew Doherty, and myself bring you the pregame show live from the field, up from the 500 level. We can't be on the field, so we're up um, on the deck. And we'll bring you live look, though, at the players that are on the field practicing, warming up for the game, who's active, who's inactive, uh, the latest stories, and all that. Keys to the win. We also answer fan questions. We check in with Mark Vandermeer. It's a great show. It's a lot of fun. So excited to do two more of those before the end of the season. You don't want to miss it. Download the Houston Texans mobile app. And uh, you can catch us on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube. That show is everywhere. So thank you so much. That's going to do it for this week's Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. Appreciate the listen. Uh, Stay safe out there. Happy holidays. And as always, go Texans.